warning, today's episode contains spoilers. So if you have not seen the movie or TV show that we are talking about, we highly recommend that you watch it first, then listen to this episode. Thank you. Welcome to Then Is Now Podcast. I am your host, Rigor. In this series of special Then Is Now episodes called 13 Days of Hellotober, we're exploring what are widely regarded as the scariest movies of all time. Joining me again today is filmmaker Joe Lemieux, who has directed The Creeping Paralysis, Veil of Blood, and co-written and produced the romantic comedy The Stoop. He's currently producing a TV show called The Other Side of Midnight with Leanne Rubin as horror hostess Ursula Grimsworth. Welcome back, Joe. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Excellent, excellent. We're glad to have you. And today's film is, of course, the classic from 1978, Halloween, directed by John Carpenter. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. Michael? Halloween. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. I think he'll come back. Exploring uncharted territory. And totally charted. Just talk. Sure, sure. sure. Mm-hmm. The only reason she babysits is to have a
night, he came home. On October 31st, 1963, on Halloween night in the fictional small town of Haddonfield, Illinois, six-year-old Michael Myers inexplicably stabs his older sister Judith to death with a kitchen knife in their home and is incarcerated at Smith's Grove Sanitarium. Fifteen years later, on October 30th, 1978, Michael's psychiatrist Dr. Samuel Loomis and his colleague Marion Chambers arrive at the sanitarium to escort Michael to court. Michael escapes by stealing their car and returns to Haddonfield, killing a mechanic for his coveralls, as well as stealing a white mask, a rope, and knives from a local hardware store. The next day, on Halloween, high school student Laurie Strode drops off a key at the still unoccupied and dilapidated Myers home that her father is trying to sell. Michael stalks her throughout the day, and she notices. But her friends Annie Brackett and Linda dismiss her concerns. Loomis arrives at Haddonfield in search of Michael and finds Judith's tombstone missing from the local cemetery. He meets with Annie's father, Sheriff Lee Brackett, and they both investigate Michael's house, where Loomis tells Sheriff Brackett of the danger Michael poses. Sheriff Brackett is doubtful of Michael's danger and goes to patrol the streets, while Loomis waits at the house, expecting Michael to return. Later that night, Laurie babysits Tommy Doyle, while Annie babysits Lindsay Wallace across the street, unaware that Michael has followed them. Michael also kills the Wallace's dog. When Annie's boyfriend Paul calls her to come and pick him up, she takes Lindsay over to the Doyle house to spend the night with Laurie and Tommy. Michael stalks Laurie and her friends one by one, and it becomes a struggle for survival against pure evil. So, Joe, when was the first time you saw Halloween, and what was your initial impression? Uh, I saw it when it was on TV. I just I remember my aunt showing some kind of article and they showed like a pumpkin on the stairs and, and this was back in 78 I heard about this and she's like she's like it's like that way he's around the dinner table talking about how scary it was and the scariest film I've seen in a long time which kind of perked my ears and I was like oh Joey's too young to see you um, so, <laughs> but I ended up eventually seeing on TV and it was quite riveting at the time too um, and a very simple story too. Um, yes, yes. So, yeah, it, it was fantastic, and it's still one of my favorites. Oh yeah, I agree. It's one of my favorites too, and I'm pretty sure I saw it in the movies with my parents. I remember being scared in the theater by literally everything about the film. But don't get me started about part two. That got me even. That was even scarier. I thought when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, this, this movie, Halloween, it's an annual favorite, especially around Halloween. It's, mm-hmm. you gotta pull this out and watch it. Or if it's, it's one of those movies, if it's on TV and I happen to pass by it, I have to stop and watch, watch it to the end. Oh yeah. Same here. What gets me going is, uh, is, is, is the score. The score is, uh, makes the film that much better. Oh, absolutely. And the score of course is done by director John Carpenter who um, not only did he create this iconic Halloween theme, but he's also done several amazing movies. And again, we could do a whole other show on John Carpenter. But um, just a few of his works are from Assault on Precinct 13, 1982's The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China, They Live, Prince of Darkness, uh, Escape from New York, The Fog. Yeah, I mean, the list is just endless. Yeah. And I did hear, actually, um, he's got a couple of sequels to They Live coming out, too, that are going to be direct to Netflix, which should be interesting. Oh, wow. Huh. 
So, yeah, so John Carpenter, again, you know, inspired by Alfred Hitchcock to the point where he names the character Sam Loomis after Marion's boyfriend in the movie Psycho, whose name was mm-hmm. Sam Loomis. And um, I think, didn't you say Tommy Doyle? Yeah, he's named after the detective from uh, Rear Window. That's right, from Rear Window. Yeah, so Carpenter, he basically set out to create an independent film, and it I think to this day it is still one of the most financially successful independent films of all time. Am yep. I am I wrong? Yeah, the only other film that surpassed it uh, was Blair Witch Project. Oh, okay. Yeah, we but, won't talk about that film. But um, Halloween is the first. Right. And I, I just love, there's a lot of funny little things about this movie. Well, maybe we'll go into those a little bit later. So let's continue with the cast here. So we've got, as uh, Laurie Strode, the babysitter, is Jamie Lee Curtis, who is perhaps the greatest sc- scream queen of all time. And she, of course, is the daughter of the original scream queen, Janet Lee, who was in Psycho. Jamie Lee's uh, another one with a long list of credits, including The Fog, Prom Night, Terror Train, A Fish Called Wanda, True Lies. She was also in the Halloween sequels, Halloween H2O 20 Years Later, and its follow-up Halloween Resurrection, uh, as well as... What? She's also the voice that describes uh, the building of the prison and Escape from New York. That's right. Yep. That's right. She's She's the voice... And um, she's also been in the new John Carpenter's new sequels, which pretty much ignore all the other ones. And it's a direct sequel to Halloween 2, the aptly named Halloween from 2018, as well as the upcoming other sequels, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. And ironically, she was on a TV show called Scream Queens. So I think she's kind of come full circle with the queen of the Scream Queens. Well, I think originally she was trying to get herself away from that role, but now she's like fully embrace it because it's it's popular. <laughs> it's it's lucrative. It's popular, and yep. she wouldn't have a job without the fans. You yeah. know, if people yep. didn't love her work. <laughs> and her character in in, in um, Halloween was like very uh, like a typical teenager kind of type thing. Right. Exactly. But not like her she friends was... at all. No. No, she was more introverted, more mm-hmm. um, bookish. Didn't didn't yep. really want to go out, even though she wanted to go out with a boy. She was too afraid to ask the boy out, mm-hmm. and then embarrassed when the friend does it. Ben Tramer. That's right. Yep, Ben Tramer. <laughs> or Ben Tramer. <laughs> now moving on, we have of course the amazing horror actor Donald Pleasance as Doctor Sam Loomis. Again, I mean, this guy we could probably do two or three shows on. He is a major character actor, particularly in genre films. And uh, I'll just give the short list again because we'd be here all day long talking about these actors. But um, his films include not only being in all of the Halloween sequels up to and including The Curse of Michael Myers, but he's also in The Greatest Story Ever Told, Fantastic Voyage. He played uh, Stavros Blofeld in You Only Live Twice. He was in the movie Puma Man, Escape to Witch Mountain, and The Monster Club, just to name a few to whet the fans' appetites. And, and Great, Great Escape as well. That's right, The Great Escape. He was in that. Was he in Kelly's Heroes? He wasn't in Kelly's Heroes. No, he wasn't. That was Kelly's of all. No, oh, Wahlberg. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in that club, fun. too, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not bald. I just get my hair cut this way. 
So anyways, we've also got PJ Souls. And I just wanted to mention her because she totally plays Linda. And she totally mm-hmm. got the part because the way she always says totally all the totally all the time. She was cute. She was very cute. I was trying to look it up. And I thought I think, well, first of all, I think she is going to be in one of the upcoming sequels. Um, Michael Myers or Halloween Kills or something or Halloween Ends. I'm not sure. But I thought she was in. Something along the lines of rock and roll high school. Yeah, she was. She was in that. She was in Stripes. Uh, yeah, that's right. She was in Stripes. I looked up. I tried to find her in rock and roll high school, and it wasn't on the IMDb. Yeah, she plays Rick Randall. Okay. Yeah, and she's been around. I think she's still doing stuff. Like I said, she's going to be in one of the upcoming sequels. Uh, Nancy Kyes, who plays Annie, was also in Carpenter's Assault on Precinct 13, The Fog, Halloween 2. She reprises her role. Actually, Halloween 2 and 3. No. She wasn't in part three. I think she had a different part in part three. Yeah, she played and a she different is, character. Yeah, like, she had a different character. Tom Atkins' wife, I guess. I don't know. She's, oh, okay, yeah. And she's coming back he, for Halloween he, Kills. He, he got so much action in that movie, Tom Atkins. Oh, my God. Tom Atkins always gets actions. <laughs> action. <laughs> he's, he's just one of the greatest character actors oh, ever. Oh, I know. I love him. I, I met him once at the... Uh, the Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival. Oh, nice! He, he showed up at Summer Summerville Theater. Like, is that Tom Atkins? Like, like oh, hey, that's guys, awesome! What's up? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. Where are the chicks at? Yeah, I know. It's like he's like he's going to get chill tonight too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I interviewed him very briefly at um he was at a booth at um the Horror Hound in Indianapolis. Uh, I think it was back in 2011. And he was just awesome. It's Tom oh, motherfucking Atkins. So what else can you so, say? <laughs> so, down the, down the earth, so down the earth, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, then uh, lastly, we have Charles Cyphers, who plays uh, Sheriff Brackett. He was also in Assault on Precinct 13, Escape from New York, Halloween mm-hmm. 2, The Fog, and he's also going to reprise his role in Halloween Kills. So Carpenter, oh, wow. Carpenter had quite a crew of actors that he would use regularly, like a yeah, lot of directors stock, do. Like a stock company. Right, right, and and of course, this was still back in the day when actors were under contract with with the uh, production right, companies. Yeah. It, so if I they think, weren't working, they would put them through you know classes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And was Halloween done to Afco Embassy? Or was that through, uh, or was that Universal? Uh, that I oh I think Halloween's Universal. Let me yeah, uh, I think it is too. It real quick here, it is. You mean for distributor? Because mm-hmm. I know, like, the Fog and, and Escape from New York were through, were through Avco Embassy. Compass but. International Pictures, Falcon International Pictures. Yeah, um, let's see. So it's got Compass, Falcon International Pictures, and Falcon International Productions. Then there's a ton of distributors Aquarius, oh, yeah. Compass, Astral, Joypack. I mean, the, the, there's a huge list of distributors here, yeah. um, and then other companies. Other companies include Metro Goldwyn Mayer and Samuel Goldwyn Studios. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, even the Sci-Fi Channel is listed as a distributor of the film. So, a lot of people have had their hands in this film, obviously because it's so lucrative. Yeah. So, the budget for this film was three hundred and twenty-five thousand, and it grossed forty-seven million one hundred sixty thousand in the U.S. And it and that was also its cumulative worldwide gross was forty seven million. So the return on that is like ridiculous. 
of what they made back considering and I, one of the the things that i remember reading about this movie is that even though it's supposed to take place in illinois i think they shot it in california and they had a guy and his whole job was he had this big giant you know hefty bag full of leaves he would dump the leaves all over the the street and the yards and then they'd film the scene, and then his job was to go back and rake them all up again, yeah. and yeah. put them back in the bag like, for the next scene. He'd have them drop them into the shot, into the camera shot, uh, out of out of frame. But in the background, you can see all the trees are still green. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no one cared. No, no, and I never noticed that growing up. You know, that's that's one of those details I just never noticed. There's even the palm trees that were out of. Of a camera range too, like the the camera they couldn't turn the camera too far because now and then they you'd see a palm tree. So anytime oh, there's a back shot, that there was a palm tree on the right or the left. That's hilarious. You, you got to love that guerrilla style filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, it works. You know, and I think Carpenter's direction here every every shot is framed just so perfectly. Even like from the point of view of Michael, it mm-hmm. looks really good. Like that um, opening for, shot there, uh, they used a device before the Steadicam called a pan and glide. Uh, oh, okay. And the only person who used the pan and glide before that was uh, Brian De Palma with a uh, blowout. That's right. But now when Rocky, Rocky was, um, what, 76? They, yeah. The, they used the, the, um, they invented the Steadicam for that, didn't they, to go to follow him up the stairs? Yeah, there was, there was two devices. There was a Steadicam and then there was one called pan and glide. Which the same okay. Time, so. Right, right. You know, and that's like, and I think um, if if Carpenter was inspired by Hitchcock, then you could also say that Carpenter influenced Sam Raimi, because as well as George Romero. But um, I think Sam Raimi also did um, in Evil Dead, in order to make it the point of view of of the Evil Dead of whatever the monster was, they put a camera, they attach it to the center of a long plank. And then had a person on either side of the plank, you know, walking in the same direction, and it gave that camera that steady kind of glide to it as it they went through the woods, you know, from the point of view of the demon. Yeah, and, it, and like the opening shot is like one continuous shot, and people realize that there's no cuts in it at all. Right uh, in Evil Dead. Uh, well, uh, Halloween. Oh, in Halloween. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, like when. It, once it starts off with uh, Michael's point of view, that's one continuous shot. Um, there oh, might be a great. cut, but it's it's done when he goes in the darkness up the stairs. There might be a cut there, and it's the one way you could cut it without making it look like it's a cut. So, right when it, when it's just it's darkness dark. for a split second. And I think the the pumpkin on the railing on the porch is uh, a plastic pumpkin. They can find pumpkins that. that season of the year i guess oh too funny well except for the one that tommy doyle has and that scene always bothered me especially when i was a little kid when the, the bullies are bullying him and they're yep. going the boogeyman oh, the boogeyman no. and they trip him and he uh, squishes his own yeah. pumpkin yeah I'm, I'm sure they could find one that was like the one last pumpkin in the county or yeah. something <laughs> that, that thing's ribbing and the kid runs away and the husband michael just grabs a kid He's and did, did you ever notice oh say, wait say that again when the kid's running away after picking on Tommy Doyle, and Michael just grabs the, the little boy by the, by the, the yes. shoulders, and the kid just stares in his eyes. That was scary, and that's before he has the mask. Yeah. 
that's that's a really effective scene. We'll return to 13 Days of Hallowtober after these messages. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host... Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival, Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Hello, this is Rod Barnett. I'm the host of The Bloody Pit, the podcast that examines films from across the decades. On The Bloody Pit, we have several ongoing series of shows within the show focused on specific things in genre cinema that I and my co-hosts find fascinating. There's a long-running series focused on Italian maestro Antonio Margheriti's films from the 1960s all the way up through 1990. There's an on-again, off-again series focused on 1970s science fiction films. There's an in-depth look at the Western movies that William Castle made before he struck out on his own and became the horror auteur that we know and love. A look at the classic Coffin Joe films from Brazil. And our long-term project to look at every universal horror film made in the 1940s. That's a long project, people. It's going to take us a long time. Sprinkled in amongst those are various other episodes focused on other stranger areas of cinema, like uh, Lucio Fulci, Dario Argento, and even some obscure British crime films from time to time. So join me and my rotating crew of co-hosts as we examine the stranger side of cinema through an exploitation lens. Except when we don't? Yeah, you never really know exactly what to expect on The Bloody Pit. So join me for The Bloody Pit. Hey folks, I just wanted to take a minute here to tell you about the hosting service that we use at Haven Podcasts, podserve.fm. Podcast hosting has never been easier. They do all the work to get your podcast on Apple Podcasts and other major podcast networks. They help you navigate the podcasting world, whether you're brand new or have years of experience. Folks, I can't tell you how happy I am with their service. When I first started this podcast, I searched around intensely for the right hosting platform. I found PodServe and used their simple four-step process, and in a short amount of time, my podcasts were on the internet and available through all the major podcast networks. And their customer support is unreal. Every time I goof things up and make a mistake, like uh, posting the wrong show to the wrong feed, I email them, and I kid you not, within minutes I get a response and the problem is resolved. And they're the only podcasting host that actually helps you get listeners. Other podcast hosts stop at Podcast Upload and don't help promote your podcast. Well, PodServe makes sure your podcast is seen by thousands of people. 
The promotion is free, and they put you on podparadise.com, which has over 5,000 visits a day from avid podcast listeners and is growing every day. Each day, Pod Paradise selects five podcasts to spotlight on their front page. Maybe yours could be there soon. Podsurf's pricing is simple. Only 19 bucks a month. That's it. No tiered pricing platform, just one low fee. For 19 bucks a month, you get unlimited storage, unlimited podcasts, free podcast promotion, your podcasts on all platforms, detailed download analytics, one-on-one customer support. You pay month to month, and you can cancel at any time. And when you sign up, you get 14 days free. You don't even have to give them your credit card. I love their service so much, I put a reminder on my phone to add my credit card when the 14 days was almost up. I couldn't give them my 19 bucks fast enough. I'm telling you, I, I really didn't believe it until I actually signed up and saw my podcasts on everything from iTunes to Stitcher and Spotify and more in a ridiculously short amount of time. So if you've got a podcast and you don't have a hosting platform, I highly recommend podserve.fm. Check them out. One thing I did love about this, and it was a little bit uh, into showing, uh, it was a little bit prescient for Carpenter's career, is that uh, Lindsay is watching the original thing on TV, the thing from another world. And I thought that was that was really cool. Yeah, yeah, and, and for him to do it later on, too. Remake. And it was, what's your name? Yeah, well, that's just it. That's what I was saying. It was prescient, because I think he he had really wanted to remake that movie. So it was just, and he just was building his way up to doing that, which of course I think mm-hmm. is his greatest accomplishment. There's other like coincidence too, like um, John Copper's first movie he did was an Elvis Presley movie, starring Kurt Russell. That's right. Yep. And Kurt Russell was in an Elvis Presley movie as a little kid. Um, oh, that's and, right. And Elvis Presley's character's name was John Carpenter. <laughs> oh, that's funny! Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It's like it was meant to be. <laughs> That's crazy. That's like the Kennedy Lincoln thing. That's so bizarre. Yeah, um, yeah. That's better. <laughs> his sec. What was it? Lincoln's secretary was named Kennedy, and Kennedy's sec- secretary was named Lincoln. I don't uh, know. That's a whole other story. <laughs> no, it's like like Lin- Lyndon Johnson or Johnson. I think it was Kennedy had Johnson and. Lincoln had Kennedy or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. But anyways, um, getting back to Halloween. So yeah, so every every scene in this movie is masterfully done, and I I just loved the uh, the pacing. I thought the pacing works. I think mm-hmm. everything about this movie works, and I think that the scares still uh, are, are effective to this day. Oh, definitely. And I, and I heard uh, also that uh, before he could get. Uh, Don Pleasance, he thought of getting uh, uh Lee at one point. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. That would have been interesting. But he was afraid that people might think it's a vampire movie. <laughs> <laughs> right, because people are so stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Which... Like, oh, when's he going to turn? Oh, he doesn't turn. This movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. this was a vampire movie. Even though it's called Halloween. Now, it's interesting that he produced this in Halloween 2, and I believe Carpenter also produced Halloween 3, because the original intent was to have it be a movie called Halloween, but be a different story every year. That would have been and, brilliant if the, the studio got behind it, but 
Right, and but the first one was so successful, they clamored for an actual sequel rather than a completely different story. So Halloween 2 came out, and that did pretty well. And by the time Halloween 3 came out, people were not expecting it to be a completely different story than the Michael Myers. And I think, unfairly, they disparaged that movie for years because I think Halloween 3 is it. also an effective horror movie. Yeah, I love it. and I mean, it's got the same same score. I mean, not the same score, but just like Carpenter and Alan Holworth yep. did the, the score. And um, Tom M.F. Atkins is in it, too. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> um, what's his name? O'Hurley or something? Dan O'Hurley, who was in RoboCop. Oh, Dan O'Hurley, yep, who's in RoboCop. Yep. yep. And he plays yep. a, um, an alien, the last Starfighter, uh, directed by That's Nick right. Castle, who, who is the shape. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was Centauri. No, Centauri was um, Robert Preston. But yeah. he was one of the. Yeah, he, he was definitely Dan O'Hurley. He was, he was one of those uh, guys. Yeah, he was Grig. Grig, that's right. Yeah. 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 I think there was like a relationship between him and Nick Castle, other than the Shakers. Uh, in The Fog, Tom Atkins plays a character named Nick Castle. <laughs> oh, weird. So there's like a. Like a ninety degrees of separation or something. I don't know. Right, <laughs> right. But I think effectively, you know, they all do a great job. And one of the things I, I love about this movie is, is especially, is the ending where uh, Loomis shoots him. You know, Michael's about to kill Laurie. Loomis steps in finally and shoots him four or five times to the point where Michael falls off the the porch onto the backyard. Yep. And. Loomis is talking to her, and she's like, oh, that was the boogeyman, wasn't it? And he's like, as a matter of fact, it was. And then he goes and looks over, and he's gone, and he doesn't react. His eyes widen, but he doesn't mm-hmm. say anything, Loomis. And Laurie no. just knows from his not doing anything that Michael's mm-hmm. gone, and she starts to burst into tears. And I just love that whole, they, they didn't have well, to com- talk to communicate. Yeah, and... um. And the Pleasant's character, like, he wasn't surprised as he expected it. Yeah. It's like, he can't kill evil. And there was also no exposition of why Michael was evil. He was just pure evil. That was it. I mean, that, nowadays, everyone over-explains everything. You don't have to over-explain everything. You don't have to exactly. Like, that people, that was just it. It was... People. Yeah. Like, yeah. evil. That... That's it. You're right. <laughs> In fact, they, I, I think outside the film, they referred to him as the shape. Mm-hmm. When they when yeah, the film is described, yeah, he was just called the shape at one point. Um, Although I did think that the Rob Zombie remake, as much as I'm not a huge fan of remakes, I think Rob Zombie's remake was just as good. I mean, it was pretty much beat for beat the same as the original, except mm-hmm. they deepened the character of Michael and kind of gave a little bit of an explanation as to why he yeah, was, like his abuse know, and mom being yeah. a prostitute and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, but even like in, in Halloween 2, uh, Donald Pleasant's expression is more theatrical and kind of annoying. Because the first one, he's kind of like looking around for him. Yeah. And in, in the second one, his mouth is a gay ape, like, like, oh my God, he's gone. Like, like it's, not, it's supposed <laughs> to be a direct sequel. It's supposed to pick up where the last one off. And they should just use the same scene. Right, right. <laughs> like, like, oh. That's true. Yeah, and he definitely. I think he also hams it up as he as the movies progress. 
you know, in part mm-hmm. four, he's just running crazy. You know, I'm telling you, Michael Myers is in this town. <laughs> but even in the first one, he he would he would just lurk like in bushes and stuff. It's like, oh, just stay here. He'll come back. And then you don't see him for a while, and all of a sudden he pops out of the bushes again. Like, like, yeah. Was he taking a leak or something? <laughs> and that scene where the he's hiding in the bushes, and the kids are going up to the Myers house. And mm-hmm. and he hears one of the kids' names is Lonnie, and he's like, "Hey, Lonnie. hey, Lonnie, get your ass out of there!" <laughs> and they run screaming from the house. What shows him having fun with Halloween at the same time? Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And then you see the shit even grin his face, and all of a sudden this hand grabs on the shoulder, and it's the sheriff scared. So he gets scared himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the Michael Myers mask itself was originally a William Shatner mask, right? And they ripped off the sideburns mm-hmm. and cut the eyes bigger. Yep, 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 and they painted it white. Yeah. Oh, and they painted it white. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I wonder what Shatner thinks. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't give a shit. I'm sure he'd be honored if anything, especially now. Yeah. Um, but originally it was supposed to be a clown mask. Like, that's why they had Michael, young Michael, wear the clown mask in the beginning. Uh, because it was supposed to be a clown. Um, and they're like, it's like, oh, that's that's creepy. It's like, because it was um, the director of part three um, did the mask for the first one. Oh, okay. But he put the mask on and walked in with the white mask, and I was like, "Ooh, that's that's even more scary because there's no expression at all." Yeah, I don't think they could have pulled it off with a clown mask. I think there would have been some laughable scenes. I think so too. Yeah, I think this was more effective because it was nondescript. It, and I mean, it's, I suppose the same thing could be said for a clown mask, but it doesn't emote. So mm-hmm. I think that's even like Jason's mask. That's what kind of makes them even more scarier is because they don't emote. But I think a clown motif, while while they pulled yeah. it off effectively in the movie It, he was yeah. a clown rather than a guy yeah. wearing a clown mask. Mm-hmm. And I think Michael's uniform is at the gas station jumpsuit or something. Yeah, he steals the coveralls from the like the gas station guy. Because that, that was because that, that scene where they find the gas station guy and. He's a tow truck driver, isn't he? Yeah, and he's like near the train tracks, and they find the the matches from the car for Red Rabbit in or something. Right. Uh, and then, but that scene, the scene was kind of big because, like, you, you could stay back there. It's like, is he naked? Is that why? Oh, well, because the camera why. pans, and you just see the guy laying in the yeah, bushes, yeah. but he had a t-shirt on, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But my, Michael uh, just took the overalls because he had the um, the coveralls because he had the the what the the Johnny from the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. He can't be walking around with his thing hanging in the wind. Um, right. Right. Now, there's quite a few iconic uh, scenes in this movie. Um, in particular, you've got the Judith Myers gravestone, where it's mm-hmm. um, was it Annie that was in the bed? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, that's right. I remember as a kid that confused me because I, I don't know, being a kid, I was like, wait, is that Judith in the bed? I thought she was dead and all that, but obviously it wasn't. It was the gravestone from that they discovered being missing earlier. Yeah, so it's like, wow, he he must be really strong. You know, like, like, did he carry that under his arm? Or just yeah, <laughs> <laughs> walk into his neighbor's like, doesn't stay here. Just got right, it's just a decoration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what people thought. Exactly. How did he get that? I mean, unless he did it in the cover of Night. I like where he, he's 
he was with the graveyard guy and he the graveyard guy is talking about um other lores like it's like oh i remember over in russellville um uh, this guy kissed his wife on the head and his children he picked up a hacksaw and was about to and all of a sudden they get back to the story great yeah <laughs> like someone needs to do a movie about that i know kidding <laughs> over in russellville <laughs> a prequel that's so funny and then um there's a few other iconic scenes in here um where michael kills the boyfriend and puts the sheet on his head and puts the puts the glasses over the sheet <laughs> yeah. which that's that, it's effective it could have gone over pretty bad too at the same time right uh, that to me as a kid, that was one of the scariest scenes ever. Just seeing him standing there with the glasses, knowing that it's the killer pretending mm-hmm. to be the kid who is, you know, impaled somehow with a with a kitchen knife up up high in the cabinets. <laughs> of course, when he does that, and he, and he lets him hang on the wall. He's like tilting his head back and forth, like looking at his like he did artwork or something. Yes, yeah, I thought that was an interesting. Uh, effect actually uh, an interesting yeah. character affectation because it's there's almost like a childlike curiosity in that tilt mm-hmm. and also the most people don't know there's, there's hardly a drop of blood in the entire movie that's true it's, it's very reminiscent of Texas Chainsaw Massacre which hardly had any blood too exactly yeah that's come up it's come up quite a bit on this show in, in terms of you know these these movies people walk away seeing more than they actually did see, yeah, thinking they the saw. The blood's in their mind, so that they end up, oh, it's, it's so bloody, and then you see them like, there's no drop of blood. Right, right. <laughs> so let's wrap it up here. Um, give us your final thoughts on Halloween, and do you think it's still effectively scary? Oh, definitely, definitely. And it's, it's, whenever you think of the holiday, you think of that movie. So, like, when people say, like, when you think of, like, like oh, I can't wait for Halloween, like what the movie or the holiday, like both. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fantastic. It's timeless. Um, it, it it plays into all the the stuff like of uh, the boogeyman, or, or you don't know if he's out there, or and he can't be stopped. He's like he's like a force of nature. Right. Exactly. And and it definitely holds up. I think. Uh, and, oh, yeah, I just watched it again. I think I've seen this movie well over a hundred times now. I mean, other than the clothes, there's not much in it to say it's 1978. There's no music of that time period other than uh, well, Blue uh, Oyster Cult, uh, Fear the Reaper. Yep, Don't Fear the Reaper, that's in the background. And the fact that there's a horror TV host on the TV and the telephones. Yeah. The telephones kind of give it away. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. It's kind of almost as timeless as, like, Jaws, because Jaws, other than the clothes is, and the, the vintage stuff, it's... It, it doesn't feel like it takes place in 1975 or just 78. So. And I think that's a sign of a good story is that it doesn't matter what time period it takes. And as long as you can relate to some of the characters and you can mm-hmm. enjoy the what's going on, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I agree. I think this movie is a classic. Like I said, it's a perennial classic. you got to watch it every October at the very least. And um, if I, like I said, if, if it comes on the TV and I'm flicking channels and I see it, I, I have to watch it to the end. In fact, I think that happened to me twice this month already, damn you, AMC. Okay, Joe, so thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll have you on back on the show again. We'll talk about maybe something different next time. And it was yeah, great to. fun. Same here. All right, take Happy care. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thank you.
Well, we hope you enjoyed this special edition episode of Then Is Now called 13 Weeks of Hellotober. If you want to chime in on today's show, please send us an email at thenisnow42 at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website, havenpodcasts.com. And we have another show called The East Meets the West, where we discuss spaghetti westerns and Shaw Brothers movies. So we hope you check that show out as well. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes so that more people can find us and spread the word about Then Is Now. Join us again next episode. Thank you.